2: Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Chura, and I am joined by Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, this episode is coming out on April 1st, April Fool's Day, but I saw an Instagram post that I'm pretty sure was real, and it was you loading up a U-Haul. Where in the world are you? What has happened? Is this a joke?
1: Haley, it's not a joke. I feel like the last like a few weeks, last like two months, I guess, I've started off the show with all sorts of announcements and good news and bad news. But this is definitely a good news, non-joke announcement. Um, And yes, I moved states. This is like the first time I've really moved to a new state that didn't border the state I was living in. Um, It's also the first time I moved North of the Mason Dixon line for like a permanent. This move. is in your whole life? The first yeah. time? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because I lived in Maryland and then Virginia. And I've spent like I've spent a summer in Breckenridge and I've spent a summer in Vermont and um, obviously a lot of time in the summer in Adirondacks and places. So I've, I've been places for like months at a time, you know, but never a permanent move, you know, outside of Maryland. So where are or you
2: north of the Mason Dixon line? wait oh wait
1: no as I'm saying this I'm totally lying I was born in Pennsylvania which is north of the Mason Dixon line okay so I lived there until I was three so I did who remembers
2: that (laughs) um I know
1: which is exactly why okay so for all intents and purposes we'll just go with my original story which is I've never lived above the Mason Dixon line and so I have moved to Lebanon New Hampshire Um, so New Hampshire, the Granite State, I'm a Granite Stater now. I'm joining the ranks of our triathlete Iron Women friends of Amber Ferreira, Nicole Falcaro, and Sarah True. Um, Sarah True actually lives in the Upper Valley, which is, I guess, this little area that I have moved to. Um, and Nicole is only about 75 minutes away. I think, um, Amber, I think is kind of in between me and Nicole. Um, so I feel like it's a, you know, I saw that, they, you know, enjoyed it here. So I was like, all right, it's COVID. So I can't really go test it out myself too much. So I'm just gonna gonna hedge my bets and bet that it's that it is a good place to train and and be.
2: Was that the total reason you've just been like watching like Amber and Nicole and Sarah's Instagram and you're like, that looks like a great place to ride and train. I'm going to move there.
1: No. Um, So Matt, my boyfriend, Matt, and I have been living in Virginia and, you know, I guess there's there's a few like moving parts to this. One of the moving parts was that the job he had, um, he's an engineer and he was working for Continental. Many of us know Continental because they make Continental bike tires, which a lot of us race on and train on. And um, so there was a, a Continental factory in Virginia um, and that was going to be closing in 2023. So, like, he kind of got this heads up of like things are happening, and like, you know, you would have to transfer, or like, who knows what would happen in 2023. So, um, because of that, we started talking about, you know, other places we would like to live, and should he, you know, he kind of started to just look for other jobs, and we figured we'd see what landed, right? Um, we talked about places we would want to go, and I think Haley. I mean, I've never wanted to live somewhere with a real winter, but I think because of like, I think it's twofold. I guess one, you know, COVID has happened. I haven't traveled as much. So I'm just feeling like this, like adventurous, like build up. Right. And so I'm like ready looking anywhere for adventure. So I do think there's a part of that playing into like me being pumped about the New England aspect. And then secondly, I think now where I am in my life and career, I'm at a very different place than the last time I was moving, which was seven years ago. I was leaving Baltimore City, you know, quit my job, was becoming a professional triathlete full time and was really like, you know, I had I hadn't done that lifestyle before. And so part of what I was looking for in that move was somewhere that would make training and life and everything like as easy for that like soul kind of tunnel vision goal, like doable and simple for just me, you know, being there. And so now I think I'm in a place more where, I mean, I've been doing the sport now for so long, I feel comfortable to like, bring winter into my life like as silly as that sounds and to be like, okay, I can train through an off season of winter. Like Haley does it right. Sarah true. Does it like all of these people who are better athletes than I am are doing it. So it's like possible to do and do well. And so I'm excited to like learn that way of life and to, to do it. And I'm also, you know, evolving to where I'm spending a lot of times doing adventures and the upper Valley has the white mountains on the East, the green mountains on the West, Um, and a lot of, I guess, skiing and like snowshoeing and winter sports here, none of which I know anything about or none of which I've really ever done before. So I have a lot to learn, but I am, you know, I've, I've evolved a bit to see, be able to see that kind of stuff as ways to like still be training for my career in sport, I guess. Does that
2: make sense? Yes. And I think this is good timing because you're going to hit like all the winter like toys and coats and everything when they're on sale right I now so, so buy them it now it's very
1: expensive
2: <laughs> buy so I was them like oh I need some
1: snow pant overalls and I was like oh my gosh these are like four hundred dollar like overalls you know but I was like I look I mean I think you need like some serious snow gear to survive and be and be able to do the stuff I want to do outside right
2: gear yeah the warm weather gear makes a huge difference like get the good gloves get the good coat, all of that. But you can usually find some good deals like in, you know, you might have to wait till like May. But how's the weather there right now?
1: Well, it did snow on top of the hill where we're living <laughs> this morning and it was blowing like 20 mile an hour winds. So that was interesting. But after Wednesday, it looks like partly sunny in 55 for like the foreseeable future, which I think is perfect. I actually I like colder mornings and then getting into 50s and 60s in the day. And it's mud season here. So we're coming into, you know, probably winter would have been tough I think to move in and just be thrown into like my first real winter um mud season's not going to like give me the best of the area right off the bat so it'll like give me a little bit of a a curve as I have to like find ways to embrace things but I have my gravel bike um so I'll still be be able to ride outside plenty and obviously I have my time trial bike which I should be getting on more to any day these days so I'm just gonna it'll help force me onto the roads a little bit more
2: I'm excited for you. And I think this is also going to make you like living for the North will make you like daylight
1: saving time. <laughs> That's <true>. so. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. And Haley, I have to say, so the drive, we we were ahead of schedule, which was actually good for all of the packing and the moving. And we ended up getting to um, Lebanon like, you know, a day basically earlier than we really thought that we would to be able to unpack, which was great because the, the weather on Sunday was actually terrible. It would have been really bad to move in. It was just really heavy rain all day and it was muddy and would have been gross. So we were inside unpacking, at least during that. But anyway, I was listening to podcasts as people do when they're on long road trips. Right. And you had a while ago recommended to me the Kara Swisher podcast with Blair Braverman. And I think we had talked about that during um, as we were leading into the interview with Aaron Letzring, who won the John, Bear Grease Sled Dog Marathon. And we talked to Aaron about a month ago, I guess, on Iron Women. So definitely check out that. Um, but I did really did enjoy the more sled Bread dogs? dogs. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like getting pumped for Ramona's future as a sled dog up here. But anyway, I really enjoyed it. And Blair talks about she was asked um, about the Iditarod, which she raced in and the qualification process to race in the Iditarod. And she talks about how... Um, you you have to do, I think, 700 miles of sled dog racing. And then and that's like the easy box to check, because then after that, you have like a team of people and veterinarians that evaluate you and they evaluate like your dog team and how you interact with them. And they like make sure that when you're super sleep deprived, you're still like a nice human being and you're kind to people in general during like stressful situations and your dogs and things like that. And I was like, man, and I was listening to this and just laughing. I was like, what if. We had this kind of, you know, um, evaluation policy for people who were going to train for Ironman because, like, I think it would really change things so much, right? Like, if you had to, if you were going to race, like, you also had to make sure that you were going to still be, like, a nice human being, function well when you're sleep-deprived, be able to handle all of that. Like, how would that change the sport?
2: (laughs) There would be a lot fewer people in the sport. (laughs) I don't know if I would have qualified at certain points. I feel like if you asked me during heavy training or maybe even, like, during taper or the day before a race, um, I don't think I would pass that test, the, like, be nice to people test.
1: You would, because you've been podcasting all throughout, maybe not in 2020, but... Um, in other years, I've gotten to to talk to you all through Ironman training. You would you would pass as fine colors, okay, t- okay? But I just so but I did think that was a fun little tidbit to think about, and I think it's kind of like a good check on yourself in a way. You know, I was like, maybe I should like pretend that I'm getting evaluated as I'm training for Ironman, and just to make sure I'm still being a nice human, and that's like my 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 check mark to make sure I can still continue to race and train as I am. I forgot
2: about that part of the podcast, but it was. I was on like a sled dog kick or like listening because I had not read Blair's book and you had and you brought it up during our conversation with Aaron And so I was like, oh, more sled dogs. I was just like very jazzed about sled dogs after talking to Aaron And um, yeah, listening to Blair was really cool. It, I mean, it did not make me necessarily want to become a sled dog racer either of their conversations, but I fully respect them as endurance athletes like it like you said there's so much carryover that I think we can learn and that's why we had Erin on and they both were very good storytellers like I I admire them as as podcast guests too you know it's just like here's how to tell a great story because I still think about Erin's story about
1: um passing her or like passing her ex-husband in the final miles (laughs) that was a great yes and we've gotten great feedback on that great story too and I wonder I think because what they I mean what we do is unique but what they do is even more unique right and so it's like I imagine that they get quite used to explaining it and like telling people and figuring out the stories that people like to hear and some of that and I think some of that makes you a really good storyteller um but, you know, their their personalities for it also kind of shine above. And we, we thank both of them for sharing those stories because, like you, I, I always love a good sled dog podcast, apparently, or book or anything. And I'm glad. Yeah, I'm
2: glad you had that to keep you company as you move north into the snow.
1: Yes. Yes. And so, Haley, while I've been kind of living in chaos, unpacking boxes, what's been going on over in Montana?
2: I'm trying to think. Oh, my goodness. Like basically winter returned which is not that bad and but we are like the days are longer so things are just in general better i don't know if i mean speaking of good storytellers i feel like i don't have very many good stories oh i definitely got worried today that cowboy ate a toothbrush and cuz oh, i no. couldn't find it i couldn't find my toothbrush anywhere i was like <gasps> did he eat it and so i'm googling like what do you do if a dog eats a toothbrush and it said, like, you don't want to make him vomit because it's like sharp edges coming back up. So it was like, make him eat rice and bread. And so I fed Cowboy this huge bowl of rice.
1: Oh, he's probably so pumped.
2: Yeah. And then I found the toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> so, he didn't eat it. Thank goodness. I'm very, very relieved. But Cowboy got a lunch of a giant bowl of rice.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my
2: he was gosh. very confused because so he's like, really like this is all like in my bowl and i'm I'm like eat it eat a dog so that's been my most exciting experience that i'm glad did not come true because that was like the last thing i needed and he's not usually a dog that would eat those kind of things but i just had no idea where it could have gone and i was like anyway thank goodness but i know you've been in that boat too where you're like googling
1: what what do we do if a dog ate this (laughs) exactly yeah and that's always like how much does she weigh and she's like well over the limit and i'm like okay but yeah Um, toothbrushes. I don't think size of the dog would really matter. I think that could be tricky situation, no matter what. Um, but Haley, hopefully the fact that something you know, your your the biggest thing in your life is that cowboy didn't eat the toothbrush is hope. I hope you're training and racing a lot, or training a little bit more and getting ready for races. Hopefully coming because we hopefully do have races on the horizon and. I don't know about you, Haley, but that always means, especially after we didn't really get to race that much last year, I need to start. And since I moved, it was like a great time to assess the gear I have, assess like what pre-race, post-race things I still need and like just take stock of all my inventory. And in that category is definitely like sunscreen and making sure that I have all of those like little things like chamois cream, sunscreen, you know, just everything that you're going to need to be... Yeah. One, continuing to train for the races and then two, like prepared for when the race comes, because I am a little nervous, like about my pre-race self and just not having been doing it for a while.
2: And sunscreen expires. So you do want to check that. But um, you want to, you know, super most potent.
1: Gels expire too. like a lot of things expire. Right. So like double check all of those things, you know, and I'm first to say I use a lot of sports nutrition that's expired for training. But for racing, I generally really try not to to chance it. But you're right. So um, if you need to restock any of those types of items, uh, we definitely recommend supporting Zelios. They are a supporter of Iron Women and Live Feisty. And you can head to teamzelios.com, use the code Iron Women for 15% off um, some barrier and their race relief product. I would can definitely I tell recommend a race relief to make story? Sure you have on hand. Yeah.
2: I, um, <laughs> of course this is my exciting life. Like the other day I woke up and like my neck was so sore. Like, I think I slept weird. And I was like, what is this? And like, normally the thing, if I have like weird muscle pain like that, like what helps me the most is like an easy swim, like getting moving. So I go for a swim and it's like, fine. I'm able to swim, but it's like, my neck is still sore. And so then I'm like, okay, maybe just like an easy jog. I it was on my schedule. I'm not like adding things in coach, but, um, (laughs) So I, I went for an easy jog, and again it was fine, but it was still just like there, and I was like so shocked that it lasted that long. And then I saw the race relief, Zelios race relief, sitting on my dresser, and I was like, hmm, I wonder, because I usually think of race relief as like sore muscles from like training, you know, like if you go. If I'm, you know, running up and down a mountain and then I'm like really sore, (laughs) you know, my legs are sore, that kind of like doms kind of thing, or you go to the weight room and you're like sore the next day. And I was like, maybe it'll work for this. Alyssa, it felt so, I think I also tried, I tried a hot shower that did not work either. And so I tried the race relief on my neck and it felt so good. It was just like, you know, like cold menthol feeling and it was fantastic. So good for more than just like delayed onset muscle soreness like sometimes it can be just because you like injured yourself in your sleep
1: <laughs> boom there you go teamzelios.com code Women 15% off Haley we don't have any mailbags this week but as always listeners you can send us your questions and thoughts and all of that good stuff to Podcast at gmail.com and Haley, since I was moving, I was preoccupied with driving and moving and unpacking. And I will be for the next few days, too. Um, I actually missed the Women's Performance Summit because um, I had so much going on. And so if people are like me and you miss that, keep an eye out on the social medias from Live Feisty. Um, they will be they those sessions were recorded. They will be released. You can also head to LiveFeisty um.com dot and. At the top, there's a Women's Performance Summit button. Just hit that and you can take a look there. Um, It says now April 1st, sometime in April, we should have access to those. So keep an eye out on that.
2: And if you were there, you might recognize the name of our guest this week because uh, one of the presenters was Celine Yeager, and she's the host of another Live Feisty podcast called Hit Play, Not Pause. It's a wildly popular menopause podcast. And that podcast and Celine's presentation last weekend was focused on how our hormones change as we age and making sure those changes in aging does not prevent us per- from pursuing our performance goals. So to give a little background on Celine, she is a co-author of the popular book Roar, that was also co-authored with Dr. Stacy Sims, another past Iron Woman podcast guest. And that book was about understanding female physiology in an athletic context. Um, and that book has also kind of what spurred the feedback from that book kind of spurred her her i guess them branching off into menopause and that part of female physiology as well because they recognize there is a need. Um, Celine is also a longtime contributor to Bicycling magazine and she's raced as a professional mountain biker. She also Alyssa we she, we asked her about her experience in triathlon and she has some good ones even if it's not like not quite the depth of her mountain biking experience but she she made do with got her bang for her buck in in triathlon. So um we'll talk to Celine about her athletic career launching the Hit Play Not Pause Hit Play Not Pause podcast and we actually recorded this podcast or her this one, this one, this interview, um, right after Celine's own birthday. And so we get her own thoughts on what it's like to be a high-performance athlete in her 50s. We'll talk to Celine right after a break. Alyssa, I know I go on and on about your fastest known times on 100 and 200 mile courses, but just last month, you talked about running 35 second 200s on the track. That's sub five minute mile pace. How do you transition so well between super endurance and super speed training?
1: Well, Haley, one of my top priorities is taking really good care of my body before, during, and after every run. This year, I started using Prevenex Joint Health Plus, and I've definitely felt a direct benefit to my training. The active ingredients in joint health plus are clinically proven to reduce joint pain and stiffness. Less joint pain means faster run splits and better recovery for tomorrow's run. You don't have to run as far or as fast as Alyssa
2: to benefit from Prevenix's joint health plus. And in just seven to 10 days of using joint health plus, you should notice a difference. If by chance you don't feel any benefits, Prevenix offers a 100% refund. No questions asked. Everyone wants to feel good when they swim, bike, run, or even walk. Alyssa and I both highly recommend you head to Prevenix.com and use the code IRONWOMAN15 and get 15% off your first order. Again, that website is Prevenix, P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and discount code
1: IRONWOMAN15. Haley, I've been doing some research on winter adventures and hiking, and guess what one of the most important gear pieces is for winter hiking? Hmm, a really warm coat, snowshoes, an ice axe? Okay, well maybe those, but also sunscreen. It's not just a summer product, and that is why my Zelios Sun Barrier is still at the top of my pack. Thanks for the tip, Alyssa. If any of our listeners want
2: to top off their hiking packs with Zelios Sun Barrier, or their gym bags with Zelios Race Relief Recovery Gel, Swim and Sport Shower Products, or Betwixt Anti-Chafe Chammy Cream, Use code IRONWOMEN for 20% off at TeamZelios.com. Hi, Celine. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast.
0: I am stoked to be here, Haley. How are you?
2: I'm good, but I think we're actually recording this just after your birthday, so maybe we should start by wishing you a happy birthday. Is that right?
0: And uh, My birthday was yesterday. That is correct, so thank you. <laughs>
2: Well, happy birthday. And since you do host the Hit Play, Not Pause podcast, which Mm -hmm. prominently features aging as a discussion topic, as you celebrate this milestone, I'd love to ask how you personally feel about getting a year older.
0: I'm good with it. I'm good with it now. I would be lying if I said that 50 was easy. I'm not, I'm 52 now. I'm 52 for reference. Um, But 50 was a Like, 40 was awesome. Like, all the big milestones had been awesome until 50. And um, 50 definitely rocked me. It it rocked me psychologically. It rocked me. Uh, Menopause was a thing. (laughs) You know, like, all this stuff. And then I was like, okay, everything that those, you know, women have been talking about, you know, as I've been a trainer and a coach and just, like, having an audience with bicycling and these things I write for. It's like, all right, I get it. I get what everybody's been talking about. Uh, But now that uh, I'm sort of through the bumpy parts of it and have figured out uh, my way a little bit more, it like yesterday was awesome. Yesterday was a good day.
1: Well, we're excited to hear about that. And we're also very grateful that as as you've been Getting older, you've been sharing a lot of wisdom, kind of with everyone else who I'm sure feels kind of that same anxiety as they're going into some of those unknown milestones and um, having some body changes and things as they as we get older. But before we get into those kinds of questions too much, um, you know, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about your background, and we know you live and ride around Pennsylvania. Now, is that where you grew up?
0: I did. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I. I grew up in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, just like a little coal town. And then I went to school in Central PA. I worked in Philadelphia for a while. You know, I I didn't necessarily think that I would always be in Pennsylvania, but, you know, Rodale Press was here and they published Bicycling and Runner's World. And I ended up there and met my husband and all my friends and started my riding community and had a kid, (laughs) you know, just here I am. It's very close to New York, so it was very convenient for publishing. So yeah, just ended up putting down some strong roots.
2: And you've had a 30-year journalism career. And many of our listeners might recognize you from your regular contributions to Bicycling Magazine, which you mentioned. Mm -hmm. You're also the co-author of Roar with one of our favorite past Iron Woman podcast guests, (laughs) Dr. Stacey Sims. So were you writing about endurance sport even before you started racing?
0: No, no. I... I was a medical writer first. So I came out of, and I wasn't an endurance athlete by any stretch of the imagination. I played field hockey and I ran track and I hated, hated, hated endurance. Like I I tried out for the cross country team and I vomited and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this. And went right to field hockey. And it's funny, like people I've met from high school, like down the line, they're like, what are you doing? Like they, they can't even believe that so no, I I, had, I I was not at all. I went to to college for I was thought I might be, want to be a doctor. That was too much school, so I just ended up getting a concentration in anatomy and physiology. I went for creative advertising copywriting and a minor in English. And it's funny because I use all of those things. Like I got out of school and I ended up being a medical writer, which I didn't like. Because it's just like so dense and it was like magazines like infectious diseases and children and radiology today and just terrible things. So I just kept wanting to get into consumer facing press like a men's health, like a women's health. And I kept sending resumes to Rodale and they kept sending me rejections. And then at some point somebody just found my resume and a headhunter and they called me and I got my interview and I had to write a book chapter on dental floss. And yeah. Yeah. So, but that was it. Like, can you make something like dental floss engaging, entertaining, infotainment, as they called it? Rodale was so ahead of their time at that point. And I got the job and I met everybody. I met bicycling and that's where it pretty much all started. And that's where I started being an endurance athlete myself. I hadn't, I had always ridden my bike growing up. Like I was just one of those freak kids that liked to ride. So I think I had inherent endurance, but it was always a punishment in the sports that I played, you know, and and I just... It just never meshed for me. I didn't like to just run for running's sake, even though I would ride, it'd be like, oh, I just want to see if I can ride to the lake, which was 20 miles away. So I get, I had some talent in there. I just never, you know, I didn't know it.
2: When did you do your first race?
0: When did I do my first race? That's a great question. I did my first running race in, it was right out of college at the medical publishing company I was working for, they all signed us up for one of those corporate things. So I just did a five, you know, like a 5k and I hadn't run in a 5k in how long. And I I got like third place or something. So I, I guess I still had some talent. I just didn't know it. Like we left. I didn't even know I got a place. And then I didn't do my first running or riding race until I was working with the people at bicycling. So that was probably 1990. Five? probably 1995 1994 1995 and and that too like I started they have the lunch ride, you know at lunch rides lunch races lunch all kinds of stuff that people do at lunch at Rodale and so I would just go out on the lunch ride and they were like you should try racing and I was like I don't that's not for me and they talked me into it and I again like won my first race and everyone's like see we told you you're probably pretty good at this and that that's how that all started
1: it does seem like quick success in racing was kind of a theme with your racing as we believe you were a uh, two and done with your Ironman triathlon career. Yes. <laughs> and so you raced Ironman Louisville in tw- 2008 yep. and you won your age yep. group. So that yep. meant, you know, heading to Kona and you raced Kona just a few weeks later. So that's like, Six yeah, weeks that's later. super unique. Um, Haley and I have a soft spot in our hearts for Iron Man Louisville because we actually first met in person there at an aid station in two thousand and eleven and so oh, wow. if, you know if people out there are only going to do two Ironman's August Ironman Louisville and then Kona with that like you know to follow it up just seems like a good double to do to get your money's worth right So <laughs> what do you remember most about doing that double?
0: Wow, that's a big question so I I had no. I wasn't gunning for Kona until I was gunning for Kona. So I, I've told this story a bunch of times, but it, it is funny because I had, I had ripped out a magazine article from Triathlete Magazine, sixteen weeks to Ironman, and it was just a bucket list thing. So I was like, I can do sixteen weeks. Like that's really doable. And then I sent a bunch of my results and I had been I had been tested at some training centers for stories that I'd written. So I sent my metrics and my VO2 and all that stuff over to the coach that I was working with uh, because I couldn't swim. So I had hired a swim coach and she had her husband was an Ironman coach. So I sent them all this stuff and he called me back and said, with these numbers, you could qualify for Kona. And that's not what I wanted to hear at the time, uh, because I thought I was just going to be 16 weeks to Kona. But then it became eight months to Kona. And I followed their plan to the letter. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to Kona. I'm very sort of goal oriented, and I, I went to Kona. It was a magical year. It was a magical year. Uh, I got like an All American Triathlete designation. Like it was, it was a magical year. I just remember, as you know, Louisville was so hot. But they had trained me, really, really well. it was like 96 degrees the the year I did it, but. My coach had had me go out and do all my long runs in the most exposed blacktop I could find in the middle of the day. And, I, and it worked because the summer here, Pennsylvania is very much like Louisville in the summertime, hot, humid, hazy, relentless. So I just, I just trained it. And we also have rolling hills. The terrain is very similar. So I just, Trained it just the way he said. So when I got to Louisville and it was 96 degrees, I was like, okay, it's 2 30 in the afternoon and it's time to run a marathon. I mean, it wasn't, I will say that when I got off the bike, it was pretty funny because that's a, you know, it's a time trial start. So it's kind of wacky. You don't know where you are in the course. But I got off the bike and I was just so amazed, like how, how many volunteers there were. You know, so you get off the bike and they're helping you, like, like, what do you need? What do you need? They're spraying me with sunscreen and like telling me like, I think you're, I think you're like one of the first women we don't know, but we, you know, what do you need? And I just like, I don't know. I need to finish this thing. So I I start running. And at that moment I was like, I have to run a marathon. Like it just sunk in so hard as I was leaving the tent. And I was like, okay, don't think of it that way. Think of it like eight short runs. I was like, that's terrible. (laughs) I just, I didn't even know how to process it. I just started I'm just like, just start running, just start running. And the, the heat was, was formidable. And I, I felt pretty nauseous out of the gate. I was like, okay, I have to do something. And then I just sort of, I didn't realize they were going to have aid stations every mile, you know, cause I had never done an Ironman. And so I just made a game out of the whole thing. I'm like at every aid station, I'm going to treat myself with something, whether it be a sponge for my hat, you know, or some orange slices or whatever. like, and. I And it was it was great because people were like shelling their sponges, you know, well before the next aid station. So that was like a little carrot. I'd start I'd see a sponge and I'd be like, oh, next aid station's coming. (laughs) What am I going to give myself? And I like literally just got myself through the whole the whole run that way. And uh, it was really exciting because you didn't know you won right away. You know, so I was like at a bar having some beer and trying to like just recover from the day. And I found out that. I had one and that was a super special moment. My phone started blowing up. My brother had like, had put together charts. He's like, unless that woman who started behind you was running five minute miles, she can't catch you. And I'm like, I don't want to hear this. But so that was really exciting. And honestly, Kona was kind of, it was, I I hate to say that it felt like a letdown afterwards because it was so special in so many other ways. But I, uh, you know, I mean, when I got to Kona, I was like, this is it? Because it's so small. Like it's such a small little village. And Louisville was just such a like a big city. And it just it it was it kind of rocked me in a very strange way. And then I sat there for a week, like staring at that yacht in the middle of the ocean, because I don't like ocean swims. And just being like, Oh boy, I just need to get to that. If I can just get to the to the big boat, you know, out there and swim around it and get to shore, I'll be okay. And my my prevailing memory of Kona was that like I got in the water and it was like the washing machine, like everybody had said it was going to be. And I found a woman. She had a butterfly tattoo on the top of her foot. I was like, I'm going to follow that butterfly. She was going just the right pace. I'm like, I don't care if she swims to Japan. I am just going to put my head down and I'm going to follow that butterfly and get to shore. And that's exactly what I did. And I'm like, because my bike is my main thing. I'm like, as soon as I get on my bike, I'm going to be OK. But I had also never experienced winds like that. Again, they warn you. But there was this giant German, like on the. Uh, oh, my God. Help me out. The the turnaround. The drive
2: uh, up in. Hobby.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I was uh, I was coming up and thinking i've never seen crosswinds almost blow me over going up anything in my life and this big german guy in front of me got blown across the road like straight across the road in front of me and people were coming down like what the f are you doing they're like screaming at him and i'm like this was not his race plan like this guy is just... and he hit the guardrail went over into the 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 lava fields Oh, yeah, the ambulance took that guy out. And I was just like, okay, this is the day. Like just make it through this thing. It was and so yeah.
1: after those, were you like, okay, this is like the pinnacle. <laughs> I did it, like check, you know, and we're done with Iron Man.
0: Yeah, you know, it was. And it's it will always have a very, very special place in my heart because it was transformative for me. I, uh, you know, after that, I got mountain bike racing, has always been my first love. You know, I, my bike has always been my first love it was honestly too much road running for me to do like another Ironman. Like I I would do another Xterra. I would do, you know, something like that kind of stuff, but just like another marathon on the pavement was, was just more than I wanted to do. Um, but, you know, after that experience I got picked up by a semi-professional mountain bike racing team. And that was amazing. Like that, that just took me, I got to race with Rebecca Rush and I, you know, got all these great experiences racing stage races Around the world, which, you know, and after after training for Ironman and doing that, like I, I it elevated, I, I, I finally considered myself an endurance athlete and it sort of elevated my confidence in what I'd be able to do.
2: Celine, I listened to you talk on a couple other podcast episodes, including your own show, hit play, not pause. And you mentioned a couple times, just kind of introducing yourself, yourself to someone at a conference and having that interaction lead to like a pretty big life event. I think that's how you got started in triathlon and also how you ended up writing roar mm-hmm. with Stacy. So have you always been someone who just kind of easily made connections or is this something that you like consciously worked on?
0: I don't consciously work on it. I, I like, I, I, if any, I I don't know. My mother's always like, "You were born under a lucky star," and I, and I often, sometimes now look and think, kind of guess I was. I am the kind of person. I'm not. I will put myself out there, like if, like with Stacy, right? When I met Stacy Sims to do that book, she had just given that presentation in Colorado at the coaching summit, and. I had no compunction about going up to her and saying you need a book and I'm going to do it. I didn't think she'd, I didn't think she'd say yes (laughs) right away. I didn't think she'd go, okay, cool. Like right out of the gate, but she did. So, you know, I, I, and if someone tells me I can do something, A, I believe them and I have no problem just going up to somebody and, and speaking my mind if I think that we have a good collaboration that's possible or, you know, and that, it's funny, it can go a long way, obviously.
2: If they say no, do you move on really easily? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, if they say no, then I'm not very good at that. Like, I'm not persistent like that. Uh, you know, I, I did, I did like advertising sales for a bit in college and I, it made me want to open a vein every day of my life. I hated it so much because they wanted you know, like, no means yes. I'm like, no, 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 no. no. Like, for me, like, if you say you're not interested, I'm not going to be like, what do you think? Like, mm, no, I move on.
1: It's surprising because I feel like if you can write a chapter about dental floss, you could sell something to just about anyone. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I really,
0: you know, I mean, now with some podcasts, like there was a, she's on this week's uh, Dr. Sophie Bostock. She's a sleep scientist. I really wanted her for the show. And I was pretty persistent. Like for that kind of stuff, I can be pretty persistent. But yeah.
1: And Roar came out in twenty sixteen, and I think in mm-hmm. most of our circles, the book felt like the first time someone was talking about menstrual cycles and contraception in the context of athletic performance. But the book mm-hmm. also includes a chapter called quote moving through menopause. So mm-hmm. can you tell us about that the hashtag forgotten athletes movement that came out of that chapter?
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting because at the time I was probably perimenopausal, but I didn't know it. Like, I was having night sweats and, you know, some anxiety, but I just, I, because I knew nothing about menopause, frankly. Like, I think I just chalked it up because when I, when I train hard and do like a big block, I, or especially stage racing, I sweat at night, you know, anyway. Like, it's just a thing. Like, so. I wasn't, like, menopause wasn't really on my radar at that time, even though I was in my mid-40s, and I don't think it was really on Stacy's radar, personally. You know, of course, like, I've written about it, she's talked about it, she's done some stuff, but on a personal level, it wasn't really on our deepest radar. Had to be in the book, certainly. She was knowledgeable, certainly. But the book is also kind of soup to nuts. We talk about pregnancy. There's a chapter on pregnancy. You could write a whole book on pregnancy. But book comes out, it is definitely very heavily geared towards a premenopausal woman though, right? You know, you're tracking your, your cycles. It's a lot about normalizing menstruation chapter on menopause and people start talking about it in different online forums and on Facebook groups and all of that. And, you know, they start using this hashtag sort of forgotten athlete for the menopausal crowd because there's one chapter and nobody talks about it and it's not enough. And I, you know, we certainly were talking much more about period power and all that kind of stuff. than we were talking about menopause. And once I hit that place myself, I was like, they are right. They are a hundred percent right. That one chapter is not enough. And it is such, you know, uh, a mystery to the population at large, let alone to a athletic woman that this deserves a book of its own, which I am working on right now, our follow-up to Roar.
2: And you launched Hit Play, Not Pause, last October. Yeah. Were you always someone who was comfortable talking about topics like periods or menopause, either with your friend groups or publicly?
0: Talking about periods, probably menopause, no. Uh, you know, menopause, and and I, I thought about that quite a bit, like I, I I felt in my heart of hearts that there needed to be a conversation about this and that there needed to be a podcast about this and that I probably was the person best suited to it because I had amassed such a great collection of experts to call on through my 30 years of writing. You know, I had so many people I could talk to, including athlete peers like like a Rebecca Rush, you know, who are still out there. But because menopause is synonymous with washed up old and everything negative we can think of, which crone, I mean, you know, on and on and on uh, it. It was a moment for me to say, "Okay, I am going to become the face of this thing and I am going to speak to this thing and I am going to say I am menopausal. I am postmenopausal and and like sit and put that out into the world like that you know when your identity is athletic and your identity is all these other things and menopause is all this negativity but that that was all the more impetus for me that I had to do it because if i was feeling that way and i have all this positive affirmation in my life and i i am sort of successfully navigating these waters yet still feeling you know some of these negative connotations of menopause I'm like I have like I have to be the face of it. I have to get out there and talk about it like i it would be very irresponsible for me not to it, it would it would have been there's no way I could have justified not doing it, especially when the the opportunity presented itself, and the amount of gratitude that I have received is i've never I've never done anything more important in my career.
2: What about moving into the podcasting space when you've had such a long career in print media? Was that like a natural progression for you?
0: I love it. I love it. Um I had done a podcast for a couple of years in the cycling space called the Pace Line. I was co-co-hosting that. So I I had always wanted to do one. Like not always, like it's it's maybe starting around 4 years ago they entered my radar or something that like I would enjoy doing because I enjoy presenting. I've, I've done some present presentations at different conferences. And and I do like long form conversation. You know, I, I enjoy consuming podcasts. And I think that there's a lot that you can learn by hearing people think and by hearing conversation and, and the interchange. And I thought that I would love to do one myself because I have a lot to say. Obviously, I'm a content creator. I'm a writer. But I didn't. I didn't have the bandwidth and I did not want to figure out the nuts and bolts of it. Like I, like I wanted to do one, but not enough to like go to a conference and figure out how to do one, which is kind of a lie. I even went to like a a blogger's seminar and I sat in a podcast thing and I was like, that's more work than I'm willing to do. Just like, you know, figuring out how to like put mechanically put it together, not just record it, but like all of the nuts and bolts. So then I got, I got, Patrick Brady had, had come to me to be his co-host on the pa- the pace line. I was like, that's perfect. I can learn how to do it. And he did all the producing and put it on out. Like it was magic. Like he just did the other part. And that's what Liv feisty does with hit play. So I, you know, I really, all I have to do is what I know how to do, you know, make, get the interviews, talk to the people, record, you know, download, like I can handle that. And then they make all the rest of the magic happen. So I do really and I, I love doing it.
1: Celine, we've mentioned mountain biking legend Rebecca Rush now a couple times. And she was actually your second podcast guest. And mm-hmm. you two, as you said, have been competitors and teammates, we assume probably pretty good friends at this point. And during that interview you mentioned when you asked her about being a guest and you actually expected her to say no. So can you mm-hmm. tell us about the responses that you get when you're asking athletes to come on a menopause podcast?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I, I was shocked how readily she said yes, you know, because, again, the same thing that she is still an active professional athlete. And these things are she had never even said menopause. She, she's like, I've never actually said the word. You know, and I was like, I'm, and I'm, I'm still so grateful that she was willing to have that conversation and to go to her coach and to say, I want to get my numbers before and after menopause. And he's like, great. When did you hit menopause? Like, like the normalization of that is so important. And Magda Belay, you know, she had no hesitation, like the, the the ultra runner that I had on. Um, I, I will tell you that I do approach people who I think will have, less hesitation because they know me because I work with them uh I have not cold called a whole lot of people and be like hey you want to talk about menopause but um but you know so like I think when I present it to them in the way that I do in that we are helping other women and empowering them through this place where it's really just your hormones doing these crazy things and how you navigate it they they they're much more willing to come at it. When, you know, when I talk about it, it's just like, I'm helping women through this hormonal trans, you know, transition. And they're like, yes, of course. And so, so far, so far, so good. I I haven't, I haven't talked to too many people who are like, "Mm, I don't, I don't really want to go there. I haven't had anyone say, I don't want to go there. I did have one woman tell me that she never experienced any symptoms and I don't actually believe her. So I didn't, uh, (laughs) I didn't have her on the show. But that—that's probably about the, the least productive conversation I've had.
2: That's definitely the one none of your listeners want to hear. <laughs> but, um, but uh, I, I'm curious if you have any dream guests that you still like love to have on someday.
0: Oh boy, that's a big question. Um, I don't have any particular person in mind. Like when you say that, I, I have. I am in search of different, uh, like I'd love to have a rock climber. I'm still looking because I do have some women who are rock climbers in the audience and I haven't been able to sort of nail down someone in that space. I'm close, you know? So it's more of that. Like I'm looking at different subjects and different sports and trying to get representation in those areas. So that is the biggest challenge for me. And that does sometimes revolve a little cold calling. Like I'm Googling. It's kind of crazy to try like, who might be the rock climber who will talk to me, you know. Lynn Hill comes up. I'm still working on Lynn Hill. That's my but, yeah. first
2: thought. The first thing that came popped in my head, but I was just... <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm still working on her. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'll, we'll be waiting for that episode. Yeah. Celine, you have said that you learned something from each episode. So is there anything you can share that's, like, really surprised you that you've learned from a guest recently? Well,
0: wow, what has really surprised me? I do learn something... It's, it's not ever as much like, wow, I had no idea. Although, you know, sometimes it's usually just little light bulb moments of putting two and two together, stuff that I haven't thought of in that way. You know, I like the I have a, a woman coming on, like I said, this the sleep scientist, Dr. Sophie Bostock, and she, you know, she, she had a, like a, a really great notion she's like when I work with people whose circadian rhythms are all off and they're having sleep problems and insomnia she often if they can she tells them to go camping like go camping for three to four days and and I've recently heard somebody else say the same thing on another sleep podcast because you naturally fall into the circadian rhythm of the way you're supposed to with the light and the dark and it's because you're away from all like this artificial light and I was like wow that's that's really cool you know, and just like it's it's stuff like that, and and even you know, oh, I I think I will tell you the thing that surprised me most that I learned, and that was a giant like aha moment all over the place, is when I talked to Chloe Murdoch, and she is a pelvic floor specialist, and I didn't even know pelvic floor specialists were a thing. Like I didn't know that that was a profession, and she was explaining how a lot of the uh, stress incontinence that women have, like when they run marathons or when they jump rope or something, isn't necessarily you know, some of it can be like vaginal atrophy changes with hormones, but a lot of it is uh, muscle imbalances in your entire core. So if you have like, say you have weak uh, spinal muscles or weak parts of any part of the canister of your core, when that gives out at mile 16, your pelvic floor can no longer do the work of that rest. Like it's making your pelvic work floor do more work than it was made to do and you start leaking urine so I was like wow you know and she had like such simple ways to just sort of strengthen your diaphragm like deep breathing and child's pose and all these other like little tricks that she had with breathing exercises to engage your core in different ways that can help with incontinence like stuff that nobody talks about like you would never think that and I know women who have stopped running who have stopped marathoning because they have urinary incontinence and they think they're done. Like that's why I'm doing this show because the, some of that stuff is so easily fixable. But the, if you no one ever talks about it, you feel like you're the only one wetting your tights when you're running.
2: And Celine, you, you know, the podcast is fairly new, but you've been in the health and endurance sport journalism for a long time. And so I can I can imagine that mm-hmm. when we talk about topics like menopause and nutrition and aging and women, you know, in the context of women's performance like that guidance has changed drastically over the past 30 years. So do you ever look back at past articles and think something like, "Oh wow, I can't believe I wrote that?"
0: Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, remember I was writing through the whole low fat phase. Like I look back at that whole like fat is terrible and think, "What did we do? Like what what a disaster." What a public health, terrible disaster. And that has made me, that has changed how I approach just taking anything at face value. Like if it doesn't make sense, because even when when people were saying that, I'm like, this just doesn't make sense. People have been eating these whole foods like you weren't supposed to eat avocados, right? Like all this nuts, like all this stuff was off the table and it made no sense. Pe- like. And now I trust, like I was a young writer at that point. So if somebody's telling me that, I'll be like, okay. Now I wouldn't. Now, now I'm I'm much more skeptical, and I'll dig much further. But that kind of stuff, like all the women, like all of it, I I just die a million deaths when I think of the headlines that got put on things I wrote about. You know, just the terrible thing muffin. If I if I ever see the word muffin top again, like all that stuff. I, that's one it's one of the reasons i left women's uh magazine reporting honestly because it was i felt like the the end product was so toxic and that has changed quite a bit that has changed radically in many of the magazines since but we were a huge part of the problem for a long time
2: and so now, when you're having these experts on when you say you know you check sources and that kind of thing to make sure you're giving better advice, is it is it checking multiple sources? Is it kind of giving yourself a gut check of like, okay, based on my past experience, does this make sense?
0: Yeah, a lot of it is gut check. a lot of it is you know I mean, I spend so much time in this space and I spend so much time researching and writing that I have a real good spidey sense for stuff, and you know know what's current and know what what is. You know, I'm not infallible, but I but I, I, I do, if something doesn't sound like it makes sense, I, I dig further into it and make sure that I understand where that's coming from, you know, and, and, and cert- sometimes, you know, you can, I could write you a book on why the carnivore diet is good for you and why veganism is good for you because we're not test tubes, you know, like certain things will work for certain people that will not work. DNA, genetics, all all kinds of things affect what works for any individual person. That's why there's no actual answer for the right way to eat or the right way to necessarily exercise or any of that stuff. So, I mean, I'm open-minded, but if something just doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense, you know, and then you have to dig a little bit further into that.
1: You've also mentioned that our culture is youth-obsessed, And admittedly, when we scan through the menopause chapter of Roar, we see words like anxiety, depression, weight gain, muscle loss, hot flashes, and vaginal atrophy. So all of those sound pretty bad, (laughs) right? (laughs) But you do call your podcast Hit Play, Not Pause. So tell Mm -hmm. us what the play is or any kind of good news here about getting older.
0: Yeah, well, you know, there are, I will tell you. There are a lot of benefits that, that don't get enough play. What happens with your, uh, with your confidence in many ways, you don't give a F about a lot of things that you used to for the better. I mean, for the better. The, the, you, I think that if a woman allows herself, it's a time that you can really step into your power in a really big way. And, and and take everything that you have, all the miles in your legs, all the race experience, all the stuff that you've learned and really apply it in ways that are um, are powerful I, I, I I've see I've done it, I've seen it it's great yeah and but the symptoms of menopause are certainly obstacles in the way yes the, there are that stuff happens, but that's why that's why I, I called it hit play, not pause because so often without the knowledge that, that what you're experiencing is because estrogen is declining and because progesterone and estrogen are fluctuating. Like if you don't know that some of that stuff that you just talked about is because of those things, you're going to quit sport. If, like I talked about the, the women with urinary, content, ur, urinary incontinence, if you don't know why that's happening or that the better, yet, there's something you can do to stop it. You're just going to check out of the sport. It's kind of like girls on the other end. Like wh- how many girls when they hit puberty leave the sport? Same thing. Like the same thing happens at the other end of that. Like a lot of that that, that litany of symptoms and the, <laughs> there's pages of it that can happen when estrogen and and your hormones are, are changing so dramatically. But it is not this wall. It's not the end. It's not. It is a transition, but it is a transition that you can manage And you can come out and still do great things. And that is the play that is that is like, don't stop, you know, take, take stock, take inventory, what is happening, work with your physiology to improve your fitness and keep going.
2: And Celine, I've heard you say that you sometimes get feedback from male listeners. And while Alyssa and I are, we're in our mid thirties, we might not need advice on hot flashes just yet, but we are coaches. And I know personally, I actually, I love learning from more experienced athletes. Why do you think people who aren't necessarily actively experiencing menopause should tune into your podcast?
0: Well, if they're supporting a a woman who is in you know is active and performance minded who is in menopause, it helps them understand. You know that's why a lot of the men listen. They're their their fathers or their husbands or partners or whatever, and they 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 just like to learn themselves, right? I think certainly if you're a coach, it's I cannot tell you how many women are looking for coaches who understand like what what they're going through, because I can tell you, unless you make an effort to it, you don't. I'm not saying that you need to have gone through it, through it yourself, but if, if, you, if all your understanding of menopause is, oh, you know, some hot flashes and it's the end of your period, then you have absolutely no idea what someone in that space actually does need from you to understand. So, yeah, if, if you work with anybody who is... You know, forty plus, or certainly fifty, you should have an understanding of menopause.
1: And we know a roar two book is in the works. That that that's probably it a working title feverishly that we just created for, for our <laughs> listeners. Um, can you tell us what to expect and when we might be able to buy a copy?
0: I am. I, I have. I mentioned I'm working feverishly on it. Um, it 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 got. It was slated to come out in April, which is not going to happen. It should be this summer. I mean, COVID sort of threw a big wrench into the process. Stacy was supposed to come back to the States. She's still in New Zealand. Uh, You know, she also was developing the menopause for athletes course, which has been super helpful for putting together the book. So we didn't really hit the ground running on it until October. We, you know, we we had planned to over the summer, but it just didn't happen. So it it should be out this summer. And, uh, you know, it's just it's going to just be a a roar for 40 plus women, just basically explaining in great detail all the functions that your hormones play and why you're experiencing what you're experiencing or or could be experiencing and what to do about it.
2: Making those women not forgotten, which I appreciate before I get there. So that exactly, um, I definitely appreciate all the work that you are doing. Stacey's doing all of your guests, it's a fantastic podcast. I encourage all of our listeners to tune in. But thank you so much, Celine. And, um, hopefully, you have a, some fun mountain bike rides on your schedule this week. Maybe some, well, fel- once the <laughs> three feet of snow <laughs> oh, gets right. off the <laughs> ground. You mean- just- we i've done
0: some of that we have gotten so much snow i i did uh for my birthday we did a nine mile snowshoe actually up to like that one of the highest points by us and that was it was sunny and beautiful and perfect and uh that was a great way to spend the day but yes we are all at this point saying okay we get it we get it (laughs) like winter can just gently leave now I'm, i'm ready to get back on the the trails and and the roads for sure I
2: I live in Montana and I'll see mostly fat bikers but I see some mountain bikers out on the trails and once I was actually like I was running and I was behind the guy and I felt I felt kind of bad because we're going uphill and so like I'm catching him and it's definitely and I was like I felt bad he's like spinning out and he's like trying to keep himself going and but he's like you can go ahead and I was like I actually like that you're like packing down the snow for me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um so you, know, you to run on. I can share the trail i appreciate it i'm like i'm all for the fat biking too even though it's so hard
0: it's nice on groomed trails it's when if you have like perfectly groomed snowmobile trails it's lovely right but otherwise it is an awful lot of work
2: well thank you again and uh yeah enjoy the rest of of winter and hopefully spring is on its way
0: yeah it is all right thank you so much it was a pleasure being here
1: The Iron Women podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Kaylee, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a
2: great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally,
1: and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.comslash ironwomen and get started. Thanks so much to Celine for making time to chat with us. If you want to hear more from Celine, of course, check out her Live Feisty Media podcast, hit play, not pause. And keep an eye out on the Live Feisty Media social media, as well as you can head to livefeisty.com and click on Women's Performance Summit. And they will be releasing details about how to get your hands on the recorded sessions from the Women's Performance Summit.
2: Alyssa, I'm going to wish you good luck in unpacking and exploring your new neighborhood. Um, I am excited to hear about it over the next couple of weeks as you you know find new uh, running routes new cycling routes check out a new pool all the new stuff um I, I think you're gonna have a good time and enjoy those you know those long days and those cool temperatures this is a it's a great new adventure I'm excited for you
1: thanks Haley and I apologize in advance as I like bombard you with winter cold weather gear questions but maybe not for a few months still since we're like out of the thick of it but um I'm definitely definitely going to be using your knowledge base for that
2: Alyssa, I think you have a great summer ahead of you. I can't wait to hear all about it. But first, I hope you have a great week and I will talk to you next week.
1: Bye, Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford.
2: Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.